Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I love to ask children questions. And when I found this online, I was uh, looking up some things about fear because we're going to talk about uh, fear over the darkness, faith over fear, Uh, fear that we can let go of, the worries and anxieties of the world. I'm just going to ask you a quick question before we show the clip. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And sometimes we're afraid of answering that question of what we're afraid of. But we asked some kids, we, we found this clip, and uh, here's what they had to say that they're afraid of. Take, take a look at this. I'm afraid of heights. A breaking sign. Why does he scare you? Because he's a zombie and he nibbles brains. Nightmare. Bad dreams. Bad dreams? Rats. One time, we were walking to the car, and there was a dead rat on the side of the concrete. Well, almost dead, and it was just staring at us. When my mommy and daddy do um, a scary face, when, when I get in trouble sometimes. A ghost. A ghost? Like a ghost or something? They, like, do this. A tiger. They're super fast and it's impossible to get away from one. <sighs> a weird guy. I'm scared of all bugs. <laughs> Monkeys, because they're me, and sometimes they steal your car keys. My computer, when I try to log in, it says something went wrong. Please try again later. And it's so creepy. Scary movies, skeletons. Skeletons do this, like this sound. It sounds like nibbling brains. When I hear a smoke alarm, I'm like, I'm like, evacuate everyone, evacuate! And then robots do this. They do scary things like this. I am a scary robot. Isn't that great? Anybody have a fear of Frankenstein? Because he nibbles brains? I just think that's crazy. Hey, I I want to remind you that uh, there's a phrase. It's actually a command over and over in the Bible. Fear. Fear not. Yeah. Fear not. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. As we start, I want to read to you. It's not on the screen, but it's Psalm 91, I'd like to make this a prayer. Whoever lives in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If you're new today or if you forgot, the last few weeks we've been talking about hope in the dark, and we've been talking about the promises of God and and how they give us hope. And so let's read this verse together. It's been our verse every week, 2 Peter 1.4. Let's read it. Here we go. God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. Then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt of this world. And in your notes, it says this. Would you write it down? Through the promises of God, we, we see the heart of God and his nature becomes part of us. The more you recognize what God has promised us with his mouth, what God has purposed with his heart, the more we become like him. And by seeing the heart of God, we have hope. Now, there's two kinds of fears. There's real fear and there's imagined fear. Uh, Whenever I've been on a mountain road, I look over the side, I have a real fear that keeps me in my lane. That's a good kind of fear. That's a real fear. Or if you're on a ladder and the ladder starts moving, it's a real fear that you have this fear of falling and you might want to grab on something or next time you might want to hire someone else to get on the ladder for you that's a little more equipped to do the job. But, but there's that, that's a real fear, real fear. But then there's imagined fears. They're abnormal. It's one thing to be afraid of, of being hit by a car And it's another thing to be stuck in your house, never walking outside the door because you're afraid it's going to happen to you at any second. It's one thing to be afraid of, well, heights. It's another thing to say, I'm I'm never even stepping up on a a curb because I'm afraid of heights. It's abnormal kind of fear. And it's interesting that fear is not listed with the seven deadly sins, but it kind of should be. Because fear can grip your heart. And here's what God knows about fear. If you live in a heart or a spirit or an attitude of fear, you're going to have a very difficult time obeying him. Because some of the things he calls us to do, like, like loving our neighbor, like sharing the gospel, like telling somebody I'm a believer, like praying with other people and for other people. I'm going to add this one, joining a small group. I got a fear. What if I open the door and there's weird people in there? You know, what am I, what am I going to do? What if they pressure me to say something and I don't know how to answer the question? Well, first of all, that'll never happen to you around here. But there are fears that grip us in such a way that we don't do the things that God calls us to do. I talked to a gentleman recently. He'd been a Christian for over 40 years. And here's what he said to me. It's about time I, I get with the program. I said, what do you mean? 
He said, well, I have a confession to make. I said, well, I'm not a priest, but if you want to make a confession, I'm listening. And he said, here's my confession. I've never told anyone else about the gospel of Jesus Christ in 40 years. And yet the Lord calls us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to baptize them and make them followers, disciples of Christ. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make up for lost time. I'm going to tell everybody. I said, can I ask you an honest question? What was it that kept you from sharing your faith? Even telling anybody you're a believer, which is pretty easy to do. Hey, I, I believe in God if you ever want to talk about it kind of thing, or I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, or I'm a Christian, right? Well, what, 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 what got you over that? And you know what he simply said to me? He said, you know what? I would hate to someday stand before God in heaven and say, I never told anybody else about this. I never told anybody else about the glory of the Lord, the, the eternal uh, place of God. Now, that was not said to guilt you. But if it shook you a little bit, good, because challenge is good for the soul. And what's the challenge? Hey, all of us have a place of ministry. All of us have a, a calling. All of us have an ability to look beyond our, our fear. Remember when Jesus dies on the cross? That's what we call Good Friday. That's the first day. The second day, of course, Jesus is dead and he's in the tomb. And then the third day, what happens? He rises again from the dead. We're going to celebrate in a few weeks, Easter. He rises again from the dead. I love what pastor and author John Ortberg said. He said, I put all my hope in a third-day God, but I live in a second-day world. Isn't that true? A second day where, where people have been gripped by their fear or, or they, they stop in a sense and say, I, I can't do what God's called me to do. Or we live in a second-day reality where... where People are, you know, like, like I'm sure you've all heard about the shooting in Thailand and, uh, you know, a soldier gets upset, some financial debate according uh, to the media and, uh, you know, guns down 27 people in a mall. I'm sure by now you heard about a stabbing yesterday, a fatal stabbing in our own city. Uh, and you just stop again and go, really, Lord? Well, I want to tell you where all that comes from. I want to tell you the source. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. And let me ask you this question, what are you afraid of? What uh, rears its ugly head to keep you from doing what God's called you to do? Uh, Jesus is in a boat, he now comes to the other side, and when he arrives to the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men are coming from the tombs to meet him. They were so, no, they were so what? violent that no one could pass that way. People were afraid of them, walked around the cemetery because they didn't want to deal with the violence of these two men. Now, what made these men violent? Well, it says they were demon-possessed. And guess what the demons do? Well, first of all, they know that Jesus has arrived because they leave the tomb they leave the cemetery place and walk to the water's edge and they see Jesus coming. And here's what they ask. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us? See, that's what we do to people. We're demons and we torture people. Are you coming here to torture us before the appointed time when all darkness will cease? Before the 
appointed time where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will return and this earth will be annihilated from all darkness, evil, violence, hatred, prejudice, and the list can go on and on. It's the most immediate and dramatic response to the Son of God by these demons, these violent, bloodthirsty demons. Let me just say this. All violence, all deep-seated hatred is resourced by the devil himself. And when people are shot at, when people are stabbed, when people are abused, molested, mistreated, there is a party going on at the pit of hell saying, yay! Well, the Spirit of God is weeping. While Jesus Christ, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, his heart is breaking. Can you just imagine the heart of God? Just imagine it for a moment. This shock-proof God who's seen it all. When the devil rises his ugly head in violence and Cain kills Abel. Just a few chapters into the Bible. And all hell was saying, we've won. We've won. And any time there's an act against a, a man, a woman, a child, that is from the pit of hell itself, all of heaven is weeping while all of hell is rejoicing. God's heart is moved with compassion. And just think about this. The God who's seen it all is still moved. Is still moved even while I'm talking and there's some wrongdoing or ill treatment of some human being somewhere in our world, even right now. And God's heart is moved with compassion. These people walked around the tombs and the cemeteries to avoid the demon-possessed. There is a region of pagans here in this particular context, but Jesus has come, and he needs no introduction. They know who he is. The Spirit of God shows up in the heart of Jesus, very much God, very much man. And Matthew 8, 29 says, have you come to punish us before our time? See, they know what's coming. The devil knows what's coming. And he's trying to make up for lost time. The power of darkness know that time is short. Matthew 8, verse 30 and 31 says, some distance from them, the large herd of pigs was feeding. And the demons now with wimpy voice, they shouted earlier, are you going to torture us? Now with wimpy voice, they say, would you put us into the pigs? These great demonic forces, how powerful they are. Well, not really. Not when Jesus comes. Not when Jesus is near. Not when the Spirit of God is near. Can we just, can we ask you one favor? Would you put us into the pigs? Because they know that these two men are about to be delivered from their torment and their torture. Listen, let me give you a little, little, little theological uh, look. Demons can only go where they are welcomed. Well, just think about this. Demons can only go where they're welcomed. Hell needs a place. The devil needs a place. And so right here, they say, listen, if you cast us out of these gentlemen, which is about to happen, we know it. We've got to go somewhere. Somewhere to survive, somewhere to thrive, someplace in, in, in leadership and in authority and in influence, 
or even in the lowest of the low. Hey, can we go into the pigs? If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. What a waste of bacon. Come on. (laughs) Pork chops, pork tenderloin. The list goes on and on. Please send us into the pigs. And he said to them in verse 31, Matthew 8, 31, one word. What does he say? Go. There's no big seance, no big exorcism, no burning of special incense, no white witchcraft needed, no maracas being shaken. He just says, go. And that's the power of Jesus. Still today, when he says your sins are forgiven, he says you're free, free indeed. That's the power of Jesus. When he says his life is in you and for you and through you, that's the power of Jesus. It doesn't need to be a long dissertation. All he has to do is say go. And so they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down. Listen what the pigs are doing. Listen. Listen what the devil does. Listen what darkness does. Listen to what evil does. Listen to what demonic forces do. Jesus said it in John 10. They come to kill, to steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's all they know. That's all they know. When people raise their ugly head and say, yeah, I'm going to be violent against you, the demons come. The source of all that is hellish rises its ugly head and heart and says, we can go there because they're making room for us. I, I, I hate to say this, but when we... We tell a lie to somebody. We're starting to open the door to the father of lies. huh? That's why when Paul talks about our spiritual armor, our warfare, the first thing he talks about is the belt of truth. You can't fight the devil if you're a liar. You know why? Because he's the king of lies. He's the father of lies. But Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, has given us what Paul the Apostle talks about, the belt of truth. And when we go in and fight with the breastplate of righteousness, which is Jesus himself. And by the way, the belt of truth, Jesus says, I'm the way, the the truth, the life. See how this all fits? It was planned. That we would remember and recognize that in the darkest moments of life, All the devil wants, all that evil wants, all that violence wants is to destroy us. And so these pigs go off and die in the water. All because they were fearful of Jesus and he gave one word, go. See, the context between good and evil only lasts a matter of seconds when Jesus is on the scene. And by the way, I want to tell you this. And I don't want to over-spiritualize or you know, any craziness. But when we walk into a place, a neighborhood, a school, a, a shopping center, we take Jesus with us. If Jesus Christ lives in us, the hope of glory, we take him wherever we go. And you wonder why some people were so ticked off with you being around. You thought they just didn't like your cologne. You thought they didn't like your attire. You thought they didn't like you. Sometimes people are resistant. I'm just going to tell you this. Resistant to us because we bring Christ to where Christ is not in their hearts. And excuse me for saying this. Where people allow evil to rule and reign in their soul, 
Guess where that evil comes from? The tentacles go all the way down into the demonic. And you come in with the light of Christ, the hope of glory, the resurrected Savior in your heart. Jesus lives inside of us. And you walk up, and guess what? All, all that, and some of you go, oh, boy, I went to church today. The guy's talking about hocus pocus. I'm not. There's a dark world out there where people lie and cheat and shoot and stab and steal. The devil raises his banner and says, yay. And Jesus says, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for family members. My heart breaks for neighbors. My heart, my heart breaks. So here's what I want to tell you today. Number one, do not fear. Take courage. Well, thanks, Pastor. You just built us up about being fearful. No. Christ is with us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Look it up. It's in the B-I-B-L-E. Do not fear. Take what? And it was a dark night. It was a time for hope in the dark. The disciples are in the boat. You remember this. Jesus appears on the water. And, and out of the darkness, he says these words, Matthew 14, 27. Don't be afraid, he said. Take. Why? Oh, see, there's your answer. Wherever Jesus is, we have the power to conquer our fear and our worry and our anxiety Wherever Jesus is, we have the, the understanding that we don't need to be afraid. Do not be afraid. So you can win the battle of fear because of faith. The battle of faith versus fear is won when we put Jesus Christ first over all things. Even evil, even the devil himself, even the demonic forces that are pressed to pull against us. I love Romans 8 verse 35, 37, 39, I mean, the whole chapter is just glorious. It starts out saying, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Can anything stop his love for us? Can troubles or problems or sufferings or hunger or nakedness or danger or violent death? But in all these things, we are completely victorious through God who showed his love for us. See, the victory is not because we're so smart or so self-sufficient or so secure. The victory is because Christ is with us and Christ is for us and God's love is for us. Nothing above us, nothing below us, nothing else in the whole world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does the Lord want for us? I mean, the devil wants to torment us. He wants us to be like pigs where... We go over the edge and drown. But what does God have for us? He has this love of God that will never separate us from his love or from his presence. We have a promise to not be afraid, to take courage because he's with us. We're people of courage, not because we're powerful, but because our Lord and Savior is powerful. We're people who can look even at the headlines and the news and say, you know what? I pray for those who've been impacted and affected, but I will not let those headlines rule my life. I will let the Word of God rule my life. I will let the BIB be my, be my book for me. I'll let Jesus Christ be my power and my spirit. Evildoers have less of a chance of harming you if you're not already a victim to fear. Where words spoken against you 
or where people who don't get it and understand you, again, like I said earlier, they're, they're, they're ticked off by your presence sometimes because you represent light in a dark world. Had a couple recently, a true story. I'm allowed to tell you this much of the story. They came to me and said, Pastor, um, we, we, we got to move. We got to get out of Santa Barbara County. And I, I said, why? Because, well, there's just so much violence. And last year, the highest number of homicides in the history of our city. And it's just bad. There's homeless people everywhere and mental health issues. And it's just, it's insurmountable. We can close our eyes, but as we open our eyes, we, we, we've got to move. So I, I stopped and I said, I understand that. I understand that. I said, uh, where are you planning on going? So they shared a few places. So while they're talking, I said, excuse me, I need to look something up. I started Googling the cities that they were talking about moving to. And I said, did you see this headline? Last week, somebody was shot and killed at a 7-Eleven in that town where you want to go to. Well, no, no, we're going to move 95 miles out of, from that city and be out way on a farm somewhere. And we're going to homeschool our kids. Nothing against homeschooling. No, come on, don't send me an email. And we're going to raise chickens and cows and, and have our own self-sustaining farm. And I go, great. Now, where would that be? So while they're talking, I looked it up. I said, oh, do you know the farm over? About nine miles over, the, the guy got an ax and murdered seven farmers around the area? Oh, and then they started, well, well, maybe we'll go to this other place. Well, you know my point. Wherever they wanted to go, there, there were pockets of evil. One little town had 18 people in it, and a guy killed his wife in that city. You know, relatively speaking, that's incredible. You know, 18 people, one guy kills another one and gets in a shootout with the sheriff. He dies too. Two out of 18 die. That's probably the most death per capita anywhere in the world. Can I ask you this? If God leads you to move, if God calls you to another place or state, or if you want to go there because the taxes are better, God bless you. But if you're running because of fear, you will never stop running. There'll always be a reason to be afraid. But the psalmist said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. What time I am scared, I will believe in you. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust the Lord means safety. How about this one? Psalm 118, verse 6. Let's read it. The Lord is, I will, oh, there, there's the caveat. Somebody says, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm afraid of nothing. Well, no, no, no. The Lord is with me. Therefore, I will not be afraid. God's spirit is here. Therefore, I will not worry. God is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. How about this one? Romans 16, verse 20. I love this. Let's read it. The God who brings peace will soon defeat Satan and give you power over him. Woo! Oh, sorry. I got excited. I got to calm down. Psalm 27, 3. If the army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. If war breaks out, I will trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Why? Because of this. Satan may be vicious, but he will not be victorious. I love what Max Lucado says, kind of tongue-in-cheek. He says, Jesus doesn't want us to live in a state of fear. You ever heard somebody make these statements? He says, probably not. You know, oh, my phobias put such a spring in my step. 
I thank God for pessimism. I've been such a better person since I gave up all my hope. Or he writes this, the, the doctor says, if I don't begin to fret and worry, I'll lose my health. Now, you never hear these things. Why? Why? Because fear and anxiety actually cause health problems. You know this. And ulcers and stomach issues and digestive stuff and headaches and migraines. And, you know, we did a series not too long ago called Anxious for Nothing. If you need help, a reminder, or if you weren't here, I'll give you the prescription. Read Philippians 4 about three times every day. That's all. How easy is that? And then call me next week. God does not want people ruled by fear, number two. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Be bold. Be strong. The Lord thy God is with you. Be courageous. The Bible challenges you to not be prone to fear because God knows what fear does. It gives a place for the enemy to start to change your thinking. That's why Paul says, renew the thinking of your mind. Do you know the most frequent command that Jesus gave in the Gospels? 125 times he says, do not be afraid or fear not. Eight times, eight times he says, love your neighbor. Pray for your enemies. Eight times. See, the Lord knows you can't love your neighbor if you're filled with fear. The Lord knows you, you can't serve and give or do your best if you're filled with fear. I know people that don't give of their finances. Well, here's another one. You're going to, oh, here we go again. But finances. I can't release my finances to God's work because I'm afraid I won't have much. That's called a spirit of scarcity rather than a spirit of trust. God says, by the way, the only place that God says this in all the Bible, test me in this, prove me in this, is in our giving of finances. It's, it's so bizarre to me. You test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. And, and so it, it, our fear stops gripping and, and starts being generous, serving our neighbor, loving those around us, finding a place to serve here even at the church or signing up for a small group. Did I tell you small groups are coming? Come on, you could sign up. Here's God's promise for us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and love, and write it down, a sound mind. We fear things here that we shouldn't fear. We conjure up things that will probably never, ever happen to us. Fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a semi. Think about that. Power. Power to be courageous. Power to do the things that God's called you to do. And of love. Boy, does our world need love. I mean, not syrupy. I sure love you. Love you too. Heart, heart, heart. Facebook reply. Emoji, heart. Oh, love. Ooh, look at all these hearts. I mean, come on. You know, you look at some big, strong, manly man. You say, oh, heart, heart, heart. He's like, yeah, sure, blow it off. But if he really knows that you love him, that you care about his existence, that you care about his pain, and you care about his heart, you care about his dreams. Man, people, people flock to being loved. 
Every time we do an outreach and we put the heart of God out and we, 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 we connect everything we do back to a soul, we love people. I mean, people flock to that. I had a mom tell me recently, she said, man, we decided to go back to church. We came to yours. My two kids went to kids' ministries here, LFC kids. They felt so loved. They were scared walking into the room over there, connections. It was a new experience. They were so scared. I pushed them back like little, little ducks. Go, go, little ducks, go. And all they could do was talk about everybody being so nice and so loving. and They had a great time. We had a baby recently in our nursery. Mama said, our baby, would. we can't leave our baby anywhere. Our baby screams for 35 minutes whenever we leave them, even with grandma. But I don't know what it was. I left our baby at the LFC nursery. And the baby waved goodbye. <laughs> Wanted me to leave, you know. Why? Why? Are you, are you, can I tell you the secret? We pray really hard. Now, we have some that cry, trust me. We pray really hard with an intentionality that every baby that's in there will be loved and cared for and prayed over. Our team in there actually has scriptures to read them, and they pray over each child. Some of them sing, not too well, but it's okay, and they sing over the kids. That, that's our heart. Yesterday, we had some guys come for the very first time here, and their comment was, wow, every guy here made me feel accepted. You know what? People want that acceptance, that love, that connection. Why? God has given us this promise. Whatever you're facing in the area of fear, God wants you to know that's not from him. Hello, that's not from him. The devil would love to overcome your mind with fear, fear about the future. What's going to happen? What about my, my, my kids? What about my grandkids? What about, what about my retirement? How am I going to make it? What am I going to do? God comes to give us power, love, and a what? And a sound mind. I've got a verse for you. It's not in your notes. I'm just going to read it. It's Isaiah 35.4. Somebody needs this in this room. Somebody needs it watching online. Somebody needs it in our cafe over there drinking a $2 latte, cheapest in town. Tell everyone, you can write it down, Isaiah 35.4, tell everyone who is discouraged. I'm going to tell you. Be strong and don't be afraid. Be strong and don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Hmm. Well, we're going to pray. We're going to read our statement of faith. Okay, you ready? So let's stand. Our prayer team will be available in just a moment down by the cross, down here on the other side. Maybe you need prayer with somebody to agree with you that fear would flee. And maybe their prayer would be this. Over anything bad going on in your life, just one word, go. Wouldn't that be great if we could be like Jesus? Yeah, the shortest prayers ever. Go, be healed, rise up and walk. Dead God. All right, how long was the prayer meeting? Uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> With the power of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.